I think the model is, you know, taking people from maybe a high street scenario and saying, actually, this is more mature, grown-up recruitment, can then take you to your next level. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I am so happy to be joined today by Helen Plumridge. Helen is the founder of King Recruit and King Executive, a partnership-led recruitment and search agency working with high-growth, small and medium-sized companies in the southwest of England. Helen's enjoyed a 20-year career in recruitment and started her own business five years ago. Then last year, Helen partnered with Recruitment Entrepreneur in order to grow, scale, and exit her business. She's also a marathon runner and devours business books and podcasts, so definitely my kind of person. So Helen, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the great intro, Mark. Great to be here. Awesome. All right. So you've been in recruiting for 20 years. Uh, obviously, there's only so much we can cover in an hour's conversation. Uh, but uh, briefly, could you just tell us how you got started in recruiting? Um, yeah, it was the classic fall into recruitment. Um, I'd moved back to the Southwest and uh, I was walking up and down the high street one day, went into a couple of recruitment companies, uh, went into Blue Arrow and it was a choice between um, going into a bank to temp or coming into Blue Arrow to do some admin temping, um, which I did. And I just absolutely loved it from day one. And within six weeks, they offered me, well, the permanent consultant left and they offered me the position. And I, I, and I got thrown at the desk, you know, in, in, true, in true sort of fashion. I got thrown at the desk to just kind of make it up as I go along. So. Absolutely. <laughs> thrown in at the deep end. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Brilliant. And then, so I believe King Recruit is actually your second attempt at starting a business. So can you tell me the story of your first business startup and what you learned from that experience? Sure, definitely. Um, yeah, that was, that was, we set the business up. It was myself and another consultant. We'd worked for an independent um, called Calibre Recruitment uh, for about four years. Um, it was two ladies who'd set it up, um, really entrepreneurial, and it gave me the taste of wanting to set my own business up. So we set up the really good recruitment company in 2008. And if you remember clearly, wow. that was a bad year. Amazing timing. <laughs> Gosh. It was a bad year. And I think, I just think we were too inexperienced to, we were sort of almost playing at it. Um, and we were going back, you know, quite a long time now. So uh, we, had some, we had some successes. We used to do a lot of, you know, going out for lunches, <laughs> networking and, you know, sort of whining and dining clients and things like that. But um, it wasn't, it was there's nowhere near the sort of success that I've, I've had with King Recruit. And um, for one reason or another, um, it wasn't a great time for me personally either. So I made a really, really hard decision after two years and said that, you know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of done. So, and I think what I've learned really from that was how not to do it, <laughs> how not Absolutely. to do it. Um, and if you're going to, if you're going to do it, do it seriously and uh, have a really good team around you uh, and a really good sort of standing sort of support network as well. So, you know, the second time around, I've, I've had my husband um, as my support. He's a businessman as well. So, so yeah. 
Wow, it sound, that sounds like it was a really tough um, experience. I my first business failed as well. I was not, only nineteen at the time. It wasn't in recruiting, but um, yeah, it's just it was it's such a hard like it. It really was a setback in terms of my confidence and mm. also just you know financially it was a huge setback because uh, at that age you know uh, I I end up with. I think twenty thousand dollars in debt, which when you're twenty is is quite a mm, lot. That's a lot. And um, so it took me a time to recover from the financial setback, and b the confidence and this sort of feeling ready to ha- you know go at it again. But um, looking back, like what um, if if you could go back to your younger self and uh, you know, advise that Helen, what would you do differently? I don't think I would if it's hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't yeah. it? I don't think I was ready at that time, if I'm completely okay. honest. In what way? I, think, uh, I just think from an experience and from an age perspective, where I was in life, uh, I wasn't settled in my personal life at that time. And therefore, um, I probably would have taken, and in fact, I've taken the, the advice that I learned from that to do this business where um, I very much sort of slowly found my way into the market, started quite organically, uh, just started you know, to sort of prove myself in terms of billings, um, winning clients, um, not making a big sit, sort of song or dance about it and sort of, you know, doing that big PR while we've landed um, without any sort of substance to go behind it. So, and I think I probably would have gone into a, a sort of, you know, a search firm in London or gone international, you know, gone, had a bit of time. I wish I'd, sort of, if I had my time again, I'd probably go to do a year in New York or Australia just to get that different experience within different, different firms. Okay. Awesome. So it sounds like, um, A, you, there was a, a, a you feel like there was lack of experience there, but B, and, and this is a huge factor is you didn't have the support around you Ooh. from a personal perspective, which that is huge. Like I think anyone venturing out on their own uh, to launch a business, having that uh, support network, as you mentioned, is just s- such a huge uh, factor because it, it is such a big difference. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. So that, uh, let's move on to your current business, King Recruit. How, why did you start that? And tell me the story of launching that business. Well, the dream was still there. So yeah. even though I sort of packed it in and went and did insurance sales for a bit, I then okay. went in and yeah, just that, that was great. Actually, it was just a complete mind break and um, I found it really easy. And I, I, I ended up being sort of top, top seller oh, <laughs> even wow. though it wasn't really my bag yeah but <laughs> then my uh, yeah <laughs> my um i mentioned caliber recruitment before but that was sold to select appointments which was then sold to randstad so my old boss actually said oh do you want to come back into recruitment and work for randstad oh. um so that that was great that was a, a good couple of years but then i got married had a couple of kids and I actually, I actually moved away from that love of recruitment for a bit. Mm. I um, Randstad actually knocked that out of me. Um, that the, the corporate 
the KPIs, uh, the inflexibility. Uh, it was everything I really didn't like um, about hiring. And um, I just love, um, you know, giving our consultants now freedom to do it their way. So, um so yeah, I had a bit of a break. Did did I did an online shop for my husband's business? He's he's a hairdresser, and one day a friend said to me, um, "We've got we're, we're trying really trying to find um, a couple of people within our finance um, team, and finding it really hard." And I said, "Well, maybe I can help." And I ended up sort of charging them a a couple of sort of nominal fees, and um, it was actually my husband and my father-in-law who said. Oh, that was really easy money. <laughs> You're obviously really good at that. How did you just, you know, do that? Um, and yeah, just a few more conversations. And my my father-in-law, who's passed now, sort of looked up at me one day and he said, "That you know that recruitment thing you do." He said, "That's your. That's what you should do. That's your. That's your expertise." I mean, he's passed now, but. And obviously the seed was sown. I obviously wanted to do it anyway. And I just, I've always dreamed of growing and scaling a really successful business in the Southwest. Um, I wanted to do it my way. I wanted to give people the opportunity to do it their way as well. Um, so I started it fairly organically and it's just grown from there, really. I, I think the game changer is clearly joining up forces with re recruitment entrepreneur last year. So we've gone from being sort of, you know, organic to their now really really strategic growth-led business so it, yeah it's been really exciting at all stages I love that what a great story and especially the fact that you fell out of love with recruitment for a yes. while I'm sure <laughs> anyone did. who's been in this for a while has had you know certainly their ups and downs some you know this can be the best business in the world and it can be the worst depending on mm -hmm you know, so many f factors and what's going on. So, uh, but then you, you came back to it. So that's, um, that's amazing. So um, what did you do differently this time around to ensure that King Recruit was going to be successful? I, I took it at my, my pace. I had a young family and I, did just focus on what I really wanted to do, which was senior and executive recruitment. Um, I also had a really good knowledge this time of sort of, I know this sounds really sort of a small factor, but sort of I did some bookkeeping um, for my husband's business. So I felt that I had that also that control on that side and I'd set the web, his website up. So I felt really confident this time in terms of doing all those aspects of setting a business up. And in fact, I found that quite easy. Um, and yeah, I, I basically didn't want to make didn't want to make the same mistakes. Um, I knew that I had to, you know, drive the revenue. I was in more of a comfortable position, Mark, because you know Hubby's got his own business and he was supporting that initial period. So that made a huge difference in the first three to six months. Um, and then I'm a big believer in sort of dreaming big. So I I actually was started to look at going after you know quite a big client um, that I could win all their business and partner with them. And actually there was a company that came along that I happened to speak to the MD one day. Um, and he said, well, actually, do you want to come and pitch for all of our business? We're private equity backed and we're going to grow and scale at pace. Um, so come and, come and pitch to us. 
So that's little of me, you know, with no team, <laughs> just sitting in a little room in my home office in, you know, slash toy room and um, went and <laughs> sat down with him. Um, such a nice guy, such a inspirational, um, now he's chairman. And he said, he said, yeah, you know, come and come and present to the board, come and sit around the table. Um, we are going to grow, you know, exponentially. We're going to have anywhere between sort of seven and 15 positions a month across the whole of the business. And um, they're, they're a holiday cottage business. Um, so come and pitch. And then I think it was just my on, on my 40th birthday that they then, um, we, yeah, we signed on the dotted line. And since then, it's been one of our biggest success, success stories. We've helped them grow and placed over 220 people with them. Um, and that's, that's allowed us to grow as well. So from sort of something quite small, I got an office, took on a new member of staff and then started growing the team and then pass that on to, to someone else and then was able to to go out and get really go for it in the market in terms of other other clients so i really see that as as a, a game-changing moment because it was a real foundation for the business and it's a great it's a great case study as well and we still work with them now so love that story that let's um dive into that a little more because well it, it was a great 40th birthday present that's cool it was. Pop and yeah. <clears throat> Could you just break down in a little more detail how you won that account? Because you made it sound almost like, you know, you met this MD and mm. you got on well and so on. But like, could you, if we analyze it further, how did you, number one, get into contact with that MD? And then number two, being such a small business, um, how did you end up winning that large account? Mm. I, I've always been that sort of, you know, candidate is king, hence king recruit. So I, um, I really just focused on great candidates to start off with. And I just saw that this company was recruiting, you know, quite a number of positions, kept seeing them and yeah, effectively introduced a quite a high level commercial director to to the MD and he and as it turned out I mean he was quite interested to interview her but as it turned out she she just got another position sort of typical <laughs> and um and then I just went back to him and said I mean it seems it seems to me that you are doing you're, you're doing quite a big growth journey here um would it would it be worth us meeting and he just said yeah come and see me um so that was that was great very exciting and um, can I just pause on that for a second yeah. to reflect? Because first of all, we call that MPC marketing. I don't know what you call it, where you have a most placeable candidate, someone who's uh, a door opening candidate, who's really, mm. really strong that you represent speculatively to one or more um, target companies. Mm. And you don't off, you don't necessarily end up placing that original person, but it opens the door and mm. gets you, it shows the quality of the people that you, you know, that you work with, the candidates you represent and starts the conversation, which then leads to other things. So it sounds like that worked brilliantly in this case. Is that something you do a lot of or? It's my main winning method. Oh, okay. Of, um, most of the clients I win, me Fantastic. personally, that is my door opener. Um I'm a bit of a wordsmith. I just know all those those ROIs and how to strategically word it. And um, it's I've won so many great clients. Um, I've, I've 
just got a new client yesterday, actually. Oh, the back congrats. Of, yeah, the back of um, uh, introducing a sort of CFO to them. So um, that's my main method. We, I mean, we, as a, as a team, other people do it differently. So I think okay. everyone's got their own methods personally. Right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so with that said, um, you have actually, let me just double click on that a little bit. We, I, in our coaching program, we have a whole course on NPC marketing because it is such a, a, a an effective, um, mm. business development strategy, but you mentioned something critical there, which is wordsmithing and under being able to articulate the ROI. Could you elaborate on like how you hone in on the message that's going to get the attention of the uh, client and make them interested in your candidate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, really compelling subject line, email. Um, you know, For if example, someone, well, if it's, if, you know, if it's a CFO that's driven X amount of profit in five years, you know, that's pretty, you know, that's a pretty tension grabbing subject line. Right. Um, and then it's very much, you know, you, it's most likely you've got someone fantastic in place, but um, I know as a business you're, you know, you're growing and, and scaling. Um, we're a south, we're a southwest centric business, whatever that sort of is. And it's really that kind of whatever that that couple of first lines of introduction is of what that person's going to bring you, what it's brought to that previous business and i'm always a big sort of believer in sort of stats demonstrables and facts rather than subjective lines about how fantastic and strategic this person is you know what exactly have they delivered um to their previous business and what can they bring you as an added value piece so therefore that, that for me always then um uh, justifies whatever that salary is <laughs> beautiful so and uh, and then that should be the, the the sort of selling bit, and then it's just those key key four or five key lines again with some really strong facts and figures and deliverables of what that person could bring the business, um, and then yeah, over to coming back to me and my key my key um, tactic mark that is always works is um it's always the follow-up that works it's not that first introduction ah always 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 95 percent of the time the follow-up email um would would really um you know i'd really welcome your feedback on our you know our strategic cfo um here's the original email could we have a discussion and it's always that that people respond to Absolutely. Um, you know, so there's a few takeaways here. Number one is um, identifying the quantifiable achievements of your candidate and what they, what value or results they could potentially deliver for their next uh, company. I think you, it sounds like you do a fantastic job of that. And that is so important to making this process work is, so um, there's a, uh, a wonderful trainer in uh, Atlanta in the U.S. called Bob Marshall, who I've known for, I don't know, 15 or maybe 20 years even. And um, he teaches a formula which is called FAB-FAB, which stands for Feature Accomplishment Benefits. So the f format of your MPC email, like feature, this is a, you know, um, 
CFO with 18 years experience with fast growing companies and then accomplishment in their most recent assignment, they were able to increase profit by 302%, which led to a successful sale worth X amount, right? The accomplishment and then the benefit, what that means to you is potentially they could come in and achieve this, 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 and this for you. And um, so I just love how you do that. But what's cool is you use the accomplishment in the subject line, it sounds Mm. like, Mm. which I think that is a key takeaway because uh, subject lines are really important, even whether the email gets opened or read, because, Mm. you know, if you receive an email from someone you don't know, the default is delete, 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 right? So you need to have something that really captures their attention. So you've done a great job with that. And then the follow-up, if you are only sending one email and then moving on, then dear listener, you are leaving money on the table. Um, we we have an email marketing platform that we use and that our coaching clients use a variety of different aut- automation tools where you can track your metrics of like opens and responses and that sort of thing. And we uh, some of our members actually send not just two, but three, four, five mm-hmm. messages. Mm-hmm. And I think three is the magic number for me. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's it's worth testing because we have people, I'm always, I always feel like more than three, it starts to become, um, you know, a bit annoying. But, you know, I that's my own judgment that I'm imposing. And People really need to look at the actual data of what is effective because I've got clients and they tell me, Mark, we get responses to the fifth, you know, sixth email. And mm-hmm. so, and if we hadn't sent those, we wouldn't have made that sale. So, you know, it, it is about testing, but realizing, you know, people get so many emails that if you just send one, it there's a good chance it's not, doesn't mean, and they don't respond. It doesn't mean they weren't interested. It's just that, they had so much coming at them that it just fell by the wayside and you need to follow up again. Um, Sometimes it's timing. So the follow-up for for us always works Friday morning, guaranteed. Mm. You do your follow-up on a Friday morning quite early. Quite early, you know, if you can send it at seven o'clock, ideal. It's the first email that someone sees in their inbox. I'm an early bird and I know a lot of CEOs and MDs are early birds as well by design. So, you know, potentially that first, yeah. Yeah, quickly open the iPhone in bed with a coffee, maybe, or the train. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's awesome. Because actually, I think if people don't respond, I think we all as human beings, no matter what, even if you're a CEO or whoever, you always feel like you want to respond to people's emails, but mm-hmm. you're just – it. it you know, people just don't have time to respond to every email, right? But then if you send a follow-up, it almost triggers like they feel bad. Like, oh, I had, to, I saw Helen's email. I didn't respond yet. Let me go back and take a look at it again. So you sometimes find people actually apologize. That they'll write back and say, yeah. Helen, so sorry I didn't reply to your last email. Yeah, that's true. Which is hilarious that you send someone a cold, unsolicited email to a CEO or a chairman or a managing director, and then they apologize to you for not yeah. responding. Um, and also, if it's done professionally, yeah. they also feel obliged. And right. it's that respect, is that respect, I think, also as yeah. I think you gain more, I personally believe, having worked on a sort of high street and also been a sort of more 
recruitment agency style person, you do get a lot more respect being in the sort of senior and executive markets. So, um, because I think they always feel that they kind of need you. They might not need you now, but they might need you in the future. Ah, yes. No, that's interesting. By the Mm -hmm. way, just terminology-wise for our US listeners, high street is a British term which implies it's it's like a – employment agency sort of model where you have a uh, an actual storefront maybe on main street you, like in the u.s they say main street here we say the high street right um so it's like more staffing as opposed to search which is what you're doing now if you're a recruitment business owner you might be feeling the pressure to invest in new technology but how do you invest in technology that is proven to win higher paying clients Otherwise, overall, you're just making a financial loss. Our trusted partner, iIntro, has a solution for this. They provide recruiters with an online delivery platform for the candidate shortlist. So instead of sending over CVs or resumes, you can send your clients an online profile that includes video, key competency questionnaires, and behavioral assessments. It looks more professional than a CV or a PDF, plus it helps the client make a more informed decision about who to call to interview. But that's not all. iIntro also provides recruitment business owners with coaching for their team, not just to help them use the software, but to help them use it to win more retained business. Their comprehensive training program is specifically designed to help recruiters at all levels of experience develop a retained recruitment service. In fact, many of the hundreds of recruitment businesses they've worked with win a brand new retained client after only a few weeks of getting started. To see iIntro in action, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained to book a free demonstration. There's no obligation, plus you'll also be helping to support this podcast. That's recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. Helen, the other thing that you mentioned, which is, okay, your candidate ultimately had another offer and they didn't uh, didn't go to work for this company, but then you asked for a client meeting. And that's like, I grew up where you always, every single time, you would go and see the customer, right? In person, Mm. face-to-face. And I am a huge believer in that still. I think it's it's not as common now. And so... Not with COVID, no. Well, that's true. But even pre-COVID, even pre-COVID, I think... um, it just wasn't as as common. And so if you're the one who makes the effort to go and see the client and other recruiters are just dealing with them by phone, then you've just got such a huge advantage. So Absolutely. And I think what you've got to remember as well, from a demographic point of view, they are baby boomers. So they grew up in that sort of face-to-face. They like phone call. They like a bit of TLC. Um, they like... They, they appreciate your, the effort that you make. Um, we, we went to see a client that we've been working with for ages um, recently. There's three of us went on mass on, on, on mass to, to to see them. Uh, did a bit of a site tour, but the appreciation was was tremendous. The fact that we'd taken the time out of our day to come and see them. Awesome. So, yeah, agree 100. percent So you went to see this guy, and then. What what was the key to you know opening that key that that major account and that led to two hundred and twenty placements? Mm. 
do you know what? The, the, there was there's no exact science, Mark. I'm not going to say anything that's kind of oh, I went in there with a strategy and I wrote it all down and I made sure I said all these right these points. It was literally a chemistry meeting. Um, it was literally building rapport, uh, being completely honest. Um, I think clearly I did pitch the fact that I had the capability when actually I didn't really have the capability behind me because I only it was only me. <laughs> so <laughs> right, okay. I believed I believed in my ability, and I think that was that was basically the main the main thing. And it was a kind of look each other in the eye, and he just felt that um, he wanted to work with me. And you know, it's the no like and trust trust mentality um I was being you know genuine so um yeah I can't I can't say fairer than that really I mean why did you ask them why they chose you um I think it was simply that that he he really bought into me he felt that I could deliver he wanted to give me the opportunity as well he's quite philanthropic so he knew that I was a small business and he just felt that yeah, he'd love to also support me on my growth journey. That's how it felt That's cool. anyway. Yeah. You know, there is something to that. I think, especially if you're selling to somebody else who's an entrepreneur or who has been successful in business, then they, and there is a sense of wanting to support or back an, an, another entrepreneur and like, to people like a success story and they like someone who's trying to build something. And uh, I don't just think everyone likes that, like an average as middle manager or like someone whose job's worth is not going to necessarily give you the time of day, but someone who is an entrepreneur themselves sees something mm -hmm. in you and thinks, this is my kind of person. I want to help yeah. her like to get to the next level. So I think that's cool. Mm -hmm. Helen, though, I can't, I, I, can't help pointing out, I think the the challenge that uh, you've got with an entrepreneurial style, like where the owner is the also the lead salesperson um, is people are, you said people are buying into you and that's true. People buy from people, but then if you're looking to scale, that's hard to replicate, right? And I think this is one of the barriers to people scaling is the owner is often the one who wins the business, but pretty soon you the company outgrows that, and you need more people out there winning business for you. And if if you if you've initially the the success of the business came down to you and your personality, your experience, your network, people buying into you, then that can be difficult to that can be difficult to replicate, right? Um. I well, I I would agree to I would agree with you to a certain extent, but I think with the team that we've got now, they buy into the vision, they buy into me, and they buy into the brand and what we represent in the market. So, so actually, um, they they have possibly all have a different style of winning business, but actually, they're all you know I I sort of select people that I feel are like-minded and are very likable you know as we all do in recruitment um so so yeah I wouldn't say I'm the sole 
business winner in our in our team you know Great. everyone else is out there winning and capitalizing but i think that sort of a, this the reason why this um win was so pivotal is because actually it forms the basis of how we work now and it's very much that sort of partnership um we want to bed in with you and um be that kind of true partner to you as a business um and everyone buys into that within the team and they love working in that way <clears throat> with all of their clients so that's what we aim for love it yeah so you that account enabled you to build your team how, how many people have you got now then helen We've got a, a happy or an even team of six at the moment. Okay. Um, and we are, you know, recruiting <laughs> as well. So we're looking for um, some people to add to our, our sort of specialist areas. So um, uh, we're looking for someone else to join the sort of tech team, um, someone on the sort of finance side to take over from what I do on that side um, and then someone on our sort of digital team as well and I think being in the southwest region I think it even more so now it can be quite a compelling sell to come and relocate to the southwest yeah absolutely so, Beautiful. you know one of our target sort of consultant markets is is London um, and Bristol um and I think if they've got any affinity or they've been on holiday in the Southwest, uh, the attraction is quite high. Um, totally. Yeah. So, so is it an office-based culture or do people work from home or how does that, how, what's that set up? Yeah, we're hybrid. It works yeah. really well for everyone. Um, three days in, two days working from home. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a sort of very much in everyday type of person. But yes, um, yes the others like that balance, which I think a lot of people do. Yes. now post COVID. So, yeah. All right. So six right now, but with uh you're you're expanding and, and hiring more more people. Um and so do I understand the business model is it's regionally based, getting uh embedded with growing companies and then recruiting across all their functions. Is that the idea or absolutely bang on, okay. Mark. <laughs> Great. Yeah, um, so, you know, that typical SME or, you know, they've just had private equity, um, they want to do acquisitions, that's the sort of perfect, and it could be an owner-managed business um, uh, or, you know, someone that's looking to do some succession planning and so yes. on, um, predominantly Southwest, and then um, UK and international domination after that, really, with uh, being part of the RE group, so... Absolutely. Well, we're we're going to come on to that shortly. What's the model like? Are you? Um, is it like an RPO? Are they paying a monthly retainer, or how does it actually work with those customers that you're, you know, um, creating that partnership with? Um, it's mainly it's mainly built on exclusivity um, okay. and trust to a certain extent. And I think you can do that with SMEs. Um, we're not, it's not a, it's not a corporate landscape down here. Um, you've got PSLs in bigger companies, but that's not our target market. So I think you've just got the opportunity to really bed in with senior leadership team. Um, as I said, own and manage business, um, and provide them that rounded support. Awesome. All right. Interesting. Mm. So I'm going to introduce you to a lady who's been on the podcast before called Lisa Dixon, uh, who's based in London, and she specializes in helping um, 
growing recruitment businesses to package their service offerings and have like an RPO model um, where they can more formalize that relationship uh, with, Mm. it sounds like you're delivering that style of service anyway. So it just, um, I guess, protects you a little bit. And rather than just being based on trust, it's more um, there's deliverables and there's, you know, uh, SLA and all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I, I like it. There is a downside though, which is <clears throat> with a small team, how do you recruit across all those different jobs? Like, which are like one day you're recruiting a marketing manager, next day you're, it might be a head of people. The next day it might be a salesperson. How do you um, cover all those different disciplines? Everyone has their specialist division. Okay. Um, so yeah, we've got um, yeah someone who heads up tech division, um, you know, and then finance, sales, marketing, HR, and then we've got the executive team. Uh, and therefore, it does feel that we've got um, mini specialisms within got our it. within our capability. That makes um, sense. Yeah, yeah. So cool. it doesn't doesn't feel like a, a catch all kind of scenario, really. Awesome. No, that that I think is the perfect uh, solution in that in that um, case. So, tell me about how you uh, got connected to recruitment entrepreneur. As many people have done over the years, always followed the James Khan story. Yeah, read the autobiography. Uh, was very aware of recruitment entrepreneur in the market. Have been following them, and I during COVID. During lockdown, when I'd furloughed my team, I sort of sat there one day and and thought, you know, what do I want to do? Do I still want to do this business? Um, And the answer was a resounding yes. And if I was going to come out all, you know, all guns blazing from COVID, I wanted to grow, scale and exit, which was my dream. So I had that sort of time out kind of perspective, which a lot of people did um, and started to then hire out of COVID and then approached um, RE, uh, I think it was the October or the November of 2020. I just started the conversation really. So fantastic. Amazing. And what made you decide to go to joint venture with them and rather than just continue, because it sounds like you you were having some success and, you know, you could have just continued to grow organically and, and, and do it on your own. What was the um, what was the decision to join, uh, you know, join forces with Recruitment Entrepreneur? Lots of reasons, really, um, Mark. <clears throat> but um, I think the, the sort of key is I think if you if you, if you want to stay as a boutique, if, you, if you're a boutique recruitment company with um aspirations i think you can kind of you can go for all those pitfalls along the way um and then perhaps turn around in sort of six or seven years and think oh i'm still i'm still i've still got the aspiration and the pipe dream but i've not quite quite done it and i'm not getting any younger so i'm in my mid 40s really ambitious and i just felt that i needed the expertise and i needed that kind of professionalism again support um is a resounding word to help me grow scale and go on that journey and i didn't want to make those mistakes i didn't want to turn around in my early 50s and say oh you know i've added a few people i've lost a few people oh, i'm still not there um i just wanted to shortcut it basically absolutely makes um, total sense and to work with and to work with you know a phenomenal 
group of people, might I add. Yeah, it's it's a great team. I, I know several of the folks over there. So obviously, uh, interviewed James a couple of times on the show, mm. not met in person yet, but I met um, Abbott in person when they were up mm. in Scotland for a, for a, uh, one of their uh, recruitment entrepreneur conference. Did you go to that one? Were you at- um, I did, I did, but I didn't see you there for some reason. No, well, I came on, you guys had been doing the meeting all day and I just came at the end and met up with Abbott and- uh, uh, and Doug Bugey, um, yeah, and had Doug. a yeah, great guy. He's so a great guy. Yeah, yeah. So Doug uh, Abbott, I've met in person, and Tom, um, your head sure. of marketing. Yep. Yeah. Um, and a few other, a few other people. It does seem like a really uh, fantastic support team that you've got around you. Did you know that fewer than one percent of recruitment business owners ever achieve an exit? The good news is that it's absolutely achievable if you know how. That know-how and proven track record is exactly what Recruitment Entrepreneur provides. They're the number one investor in recruitment startups and scale-ups globally. James Kahn and his team have done this many times before. In fact, they've backed 45 businesses already and they're only just getting started. Based in London, they've now launched in the USA and many other countries around the world they're looking to partner with ambitious recruiters who want to start, scale, and sell their recruitment business. They provide the funding, mentoring, advice, and support you need to become one of the top 1% who successfully exit their recruitment business. To learn more about Recruitment Entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. That's VC as in venture capital. Book a call with one of their investment directors and be sure to tell them you were referred by Mark Whitby and the Resilient Recruiter podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. So what's happened since then in terms of the business? Uh, we doubled our turnover last year. Wow. Uh, we're okay. going to double it again this year. And it's, it's, we, we, we're, on this, we're on this high growth journey now. So we're paving the way for adding more people, um, you know, obviously gaining more business, but also I don't think I would have looked at going outside the Southwest. Um, there's a lot of businesses that are going international within the group. And yeah. I mean, some of the, some of the performers in the group are, are doing extremely well. So I think it's a great benchmark for the team as well um, of what you can achieve. You know, the kind of new normal is, is X amount per month. Um, and yeah, the, you know, I think it gives them that sort of reach as well. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. So um, it's been an exciting year so far. And, uh, and next year, um, yeah, we're going to completely capitalise on the whole of the Southwest region um, before then sort of next steps in 2024. So, All right. I love it. I can tell you're excited. So, by the way, again, for our international listeners, turnover is a British term that basically means gross revenue, right? So... How did you double your revenue last year? And you're going to do it again this year. What's been the difference? <clears throat> I think just setting that bar higher, really setting that bar higher, um, momentum, really understanding the, you know, the P&L um, in a lot more detail, what the, you know, what the true break-even figures are. Um, you know, as I just mentioned, you know, that kind of, that higher performance, um, 
you know, performance per head, um, looking at that. Um, so just being much more sort of strategic and, you know, kind of, I guess, number, number driven, but, re you know, real, real time data rather than kind of, um, yeah, we've had a good month. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> we've had yeah. a good month. Yeah. So it's interesting because you mentioned the word benchmark and now you're setting a, the bar higher and almost um, expecting, you know, more from yourself and also believing that it's uh, it's achievable. And we've seen that in our coaching group is like when you're on your own, kind of just ticking along. You have not nothing to really compare against and 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 benchmark yourself against. So you're kind of thinking, yeah, we're doing we're doing okay, okay, we're doing well. But then when you start seeing what other business owners are achieving, uh, it really maybe just um, opens your mind to what's possible, and you start going, hey, we could we could totally do that, or you know, how are they you know how are they achieving that? And it almost um, creates that belief that bigger things are are possible have you found that oh entirely 100% 100% um just just it's a you know it's a platform it's a platform really to to just keep on reaching for that next that next level and yeah as i think as motivated as you could be um i think it just takes you to that that next level effectively um and it challenges you to to strive for what you you know your full potential as well amazing yeah so um you've alluded earlier to a culture of um hiring highly motivated people and giving them the freedom to do recruitment their way. Mm. And um I'd love to hear more about that because in some ways you when you think about scaling a business, typically I would have thought and uh, that that means that you develop like the king recruit way of doing things and there's more standardization and there's more um, systems and processes and, and people following your process or your way of doing things in order to make the business more scalable. So how do you reconcile you know, scaling and growing something, but at the same time, people have quite a lot of freedom. It's good. It's a really, really good question, that Mark. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's not without systems and processes and vision and, you know, King Recruit way, and this is where we're going. I mean, in terms of how they get to that, how, how do you get, how they get there is up to them. Um, how they do business development is up to them. How they do their marketing, how they... Um, approach it and reach their, you know, and develop and convert their pipeline is up to them. So, I, it's really about moving away from that sort of high, high, um, again, high mentioning their main street or high street culture of, um, you know, KPI driven, and you know, you've got to sit there and make, you know, let's, let's do power hours, um, you know, let's do video intros, and you must do ten of those a week, you know, let's do drop buys. Um, which we don't do so much anymore, companies don't do before. So it's really, it's more sort of, I think the model is, you know, taking people from maybe a high street scenario and saying, actually, this is more mature, grown-up recruitment. Um, we can then take you to your next level in terms of learning, you know, retained and search and executive style recruitment, but you can do it as a mini business within a business. 
I get it. I don't it. know if I right. that. Yeah, well. yeah, no, I get it. So, but does that mean you're hiring experienced consultants or? That's my be- preference. Yeah, Okay, definitely. interesting. Say more yeah. about that. Why is that your preference? I just feel more comfortable with that, as in mm-hmm. I can teach them. It's, it's really, I think it's really, you know, based on my journey, I've made myself into a more search and executive focused you know, strategic recruiter and I came from the high street. So that's my journey and I can I can teach that to someone. I'm not so good at being able to get someone from a raw graduate type or someone inexperienced and try and teach them everything about recruitment. And I've learned that along the way. I've tried to do that and I it's just not me. Um, I like the maturity. I like people to be able to have yeah the freedom and to do it their that their way and be quite a macro leader really. Interesting. So that can be a great, um, for small but fast growing recruitment companies, that can actually be a great source of uh, internal hires is targeting people who have a few years experience working with a national or international chain or, or a company like, you know, Robert Half or, you know, Michael Page or, you know, Adeco or Randstad or or whatever. And they have a a good foundation, but Mm. they're starting to get frustrated or maybe feeling constrained in that Mm. environment where, you know, you're told, you know, what to do every minute of, you know, every hour Mm. of every day um, and where it's all contingency and so on. And you're giving them an opportunity to build a business within a business, to have more autonomy in setting their own goals and deciding how they're going to achieve them. And also then supporting them to maybe work in an environment where they are moving up the value chain. They can work on more senior roles. They can, um, they can work on retained business and that sort of thing. Is that the, is that the strategy here? Absolutely. And I think, you know, these, these, these individuals are more mature. You know, we're all in our sort of late 30s, early 40s. So ah. who wants to be told what to do when you've you've earned your stripes already? Yes. Um, you know, how are you going to kind of continue in it? And I, and I think that's where, you know, I lost the love of it myself at Randstad. Yes. And I was an experienced, passionate recruiter and they sort of stamped that out of me. And, you know, we've had someone join us from the um, from Office Angels actually recently and um, yeah, she had all those frustrations, all the frustrations of working there, loves the job, um, but is it now enjoying, you know, having the freedom to do it in a, you know, grown-up fashion? Um, so, and, you know, as, as a result, she's doing incredibly well as well. So. Beautiful. Love yeah. it. That's so, that's so cool. Um, I know when you and I have, talked previously, hiring the right people is so important, right? And Ooh. it is like, it's make it or break it. Like if you hire the wrong people, then the business can really, the growth can just be completely stalled or even set back because you burn through cash and then, you know, you're no further forward. Uh, or if you hire the right people, it can just like rocket your business mm. um, to a whole nother level. So, I mean, that is such an important thing. And I know you'd said to me that in the past, you have made some hiring mistakes, hiring the wrong people. Could you tell yeah. me a little bit about like the mis- hiring mistakes you made previously and then how you've corrected those, 
you know, in the in your current business? Yeah, I think. I, I mean, I, I think I said in my um, yeah my sort of notes, I'm a. I've had to grow into leadership. You know, I wasn't someone. I was just a, you know I say just a consultant before. So I've I've grown into leadership. So I've grown into also that kind of managerial piece as well um and i um yeah i've made some wrong decisions so and, and actually i think i had it in my mind early early in the sort of king recruit journey that we wanted you know a kind of couple of guys that were really gonna you know sort of cut it in our in our business and i was kind of hiring guys for guys sake because i felt that you know we needed a really good 50 50 split and that was the way to go and actually that sort of i was blinded to the fact that they weren't really probably the right culture fit or the right people um i don't really get on well with the kind of alpha style mentality um, <laughs> yeah, and, I get it. and i think I, I think now you know sort of knowing that mold now i would you know, again, our, our model's very much that mature person and that, that counts for, you know, male or female, you know, diversity or whatever. It needs to be someone who is probably, you know, that sort of stage in life. Um, and I think I've just got to the point now where I know whether someone's right for our for our business, whether they're going to be a good fit. Um, but also sharing that with the team, you know, getting them involved, getting their opinion, getting them involved in the process so they can kind of give their opinions on it as well which is really, really important. So they've got to work with them day in and day out. Yeah, no, day. absolutely. So, I think having your team involved at some stage of the hiring process is, uh, is a great idea. Could you elaborate on like your internal hiring and uh, like process, how you attract people and then how you uh, vet them to make sure they are going to be right for you? Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to how I would, you know, run my own recruitment for, you know, a search, really. Uh, you know, a lot of the time we are approaching, we're approaching people. We've got a bit of a talent pipeline as well. Um, again, taking the James Kahn, you know, methodology that you've always got people you're speaking to. And, um, you know, those coffees and things like that are really, really important. Um so it's it's always that sort of exploratory call, get to know you. I always feel that um, I actually did a call yesterday that I feel that if I feel like I have to sell to someone, that's that's not right. And for some reason, the there's an imbalance there. But if it flows and um, you know you have a really good conversation with someone, um, then you know that's the time where you kind of then go right. Let's let's ha meet for a coffee, and I, I take it really slowly. You know, let's meet for a coffee. Let's get to know each other. You know, what what is it? What's important to you? What are you looking for? Um, where are you in life? Um, you know, why all those kind of really get to know your quality questions, um, and then not rushing in, not rushing in after that. You know, really sort of thinking about what that could look like, getting them to really think about what it could look like. You know, if you're going to shape your job role now, if you're going to come and join us, you know, what specialism are you really excites you? How do you think you could grow that division? Um, where do you think you could take it? And then getting them to kind of, you know, come back with a bit of a biz mini business plan effectively, um, present to the team, um, maybe even a further kind of more social kind of thing. And then, yeah, and then if it's all those, you know, if everything works along the line, you're happy, they're happy, then, you know, we'll move to a sort of an office stage. So I've got, I've, I've learned to, to take it a lot slower, basically. 
Um, awesome. You 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 ha- said a key point, which I think is so important that you treat it just like you would a search for a client brief. Mm. And I think that's the pro- that's one of the main reasons that smaller recruiting firms don't grow is that their own internal hiring always gets uh, takes a backseat to the client work because the client work has a fee attached and there's you've made a commitment to someone, you're, you've got a deadline. But then if you always just keep procrastinating on your own hiring and and deprioritizing it, it's you're there. never going to grow. So you have it's to treat it. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> treat it as you would. Like this is your most important search that you you could undertake for your business and be as rigorous and as um you know tenacious and uh proactive as you would on behalf of a of a client and we're good at recruiting so there's no reason you couldn't also recruit great people for your own business if you really committed to it and focused on it um any other I think it's also giving you your yeah, just give yourself time to breathe and think and ponder because I think you can get if you're a people person, you love interviewing, you know, and you get really excited and into it and you have a really good kind of meeting with someone. I think you kind of get blinded by by that kind of mm. rapport almost and maybe your own sort of excited kind of well I I do anyway, I know I get too excited sometimes. Um and then but I've always let it breathe after that, sort of give yourself time to kind of really consider that individual, whether they, they can fit and all those different aspects. Take It's almost taking that emotion out and then just being more of a rational, put yourself in that rational mind, whether they're the right hire. I don't really now like making mistakes on hiring. I'd rather hire slowly and get the right person and then, um, yeah, I don't I don't really want to be sort of fast hiring and you know, just let's see how they go and get rid Definitely. of them in three months' time. But I'm, you know, I'm we're hiring at the moment, and I'm going away for two weeks next Friday. So actually, I'm going to sit on all of those, you know, conversations and let them also sit on it as well. It's interesting. So how how do you separate out and and identify the qualities in someone where not just you like them and you have rapport, mm. but they will be able to perform. Do you have uh, any tests that you do or or competency-based questions to really dig into those qualities that you think somebody really is going to do well with us? Yeah, absolutely. All the, you know, it's not just a conversation, is it? It's all the competency-based questions as well. Really digging into the numbers of what they've achieved before, really understanding what their pipeline's been, um, you know, commissions, best months, all that sort of thing. Um, Yeah, you know, delving into all that sort of skills, um, doing a um, you know, psychometrics testing as well. That always gives you a good picture of someone. Um, so yeah, very much a kind of rounded process. Um, awesome. To, and pre- obviously presentation as well to see how they've thought it out, their methodology, how they're going to approach it. Um, That's fantastic, Helen. So you have a whole range of selection tools that you're leveraging. And um, what's the uh, psychometric test that you're using? Um, it's actually DISC. Oh, DISC. Yep. Okay. Uh, You're the second person in two days that's talked to me about DISC. And then what to you, like, what is the number one most important quality or trait that you're probing for when you're interviewing and and really testing? Um, That's a good question, isn't it? 
I think really that absolute deep-rooted passion for this industry. Mm. Because I think if you've got that, then everything else follows. Mm. And I think when you also keep mentioning the sort of maturity, but you get to, I think if you, a lot of people sort of come in and they're transient in recruitment or, yeah, I spent five years in recruitment, then I came out of it. But I think if you get people in the late 30s, early 40s, and they're still in recruitment, they mm. obviously clearly love it. Um, a lot I would take that as a, yeah, they obviously love it, but I think you're, you've then got someone that really is going to, is going to, has got all the other facets such as, you know, tenacity and determination and, you know, sales ability, et cetera. Um, can I, I play devil's advocate? Through. You can, if you want. Yeah. Why not? I, because I'm just wondering, like, isn't there a risk that you hire people who are, burnt out or who like yes they're still in it but and they're they do okay but they're not going to like really drive your company forward because there must be a lot of lifers in recruitment who kind of just have always done recruiting and and they're you know obviously you wouldn't stay in it if you weren't doing okay but they're not necessarily going to be the rocket fuel that propels your company forward what how do you sift out the ones who you know are just average and hire the really great ones i mean i mentioned the word passion so yeah. i think you know genuinely if they are genuinely passionate that you know that you can't kind of buy that you can't fake that um you know and i think there's also um and I, you know it makes it sound like we're never going to hire guys but i think women in their late 30s early 40s um you've got something to prove you know you've you may have had children or if not you know you might have stepchildren or dogs or whatever but this is this is our time you know this is our time to right. earn our own money and to go for it and to win at work and um and i i find that with so many you know uh women at our age that you know that's what they're that's you know, that's, that's what the got DNA that you're looking that's for. The DNA. That's the DNA. Yeah. Helen, well, your passion like just absolutely shines through. I've so much enjoyed this conversation. Thank you again Likewise. for for coming on the show. And um, yeah, I wish you every success. I'll be following your journey uh, closely. I want to see you continuing to double every year. That's um, that's amazing. You'll need to come <laughs> back. Uh, come back again and tell us the ne the next chapter. Oh, there's just before you go, there's one more thing I wanted to ask you. I think you ran the Great Wall of China Marathon t with your husband. Yeah. Could you tell me about that? Twenty was it? Twenty sixteen, I think. Yeah, we had this mad mad thing that we thought we kept it kept popping up on Facebook. You know, run the Great Wall of China Marathon. So we went out there uh, on a whirlwind sort of five day trip. Left the kids with grandma, uh, grandma, and. Um, never been to Beijing before. I mean, it's just incredible just being on the wall itself. I mean, you know, the fact that you can see it from space um, and it's, um, it's five and a half thousand steps, the Great Wall of China, and they're all crooked. They're all different sizes. So it's not just like running up steps. It is, yeah, you've got to have all your wits about you. Um, but, um, and then just being in that sort of yin and yang square right in the middle before you go off the run is is just phenomenal. Um, we actually had, um, there was a load of um, uh, Kiwis over um, who were doing the sort of fun run part and they did the hacker 
at the start. Oh, wow. That would be cool. Yeah, to signal the run going off. So you were just in, yes, come on mode. Um, <laughs> it took about six hours. It was quite a long, it was quite long because it's just so, yeah, the navigation on the wall. Um, but and it, I think about seven uh, people from 70 different countries took part as well, wow. which again, it's just a sight to see. So, um, yeah, but we did it. We did it. So um, it was more about, um, it was as it often is, it's all about the journey, isn't it? So we we went on some really, really incredible training runs together. Um, so as a as a wife and husband duo, it was, um, yeah, it was quite a, quite a journey as well. So. Wow. What an yeah. incredible experience. Uh, I'm super impressed with that. That sounds amazing, Helen. Um, well, look, you uh, You've been a star. I'll look forward to our next conversation where you can tell me the latest uh, successes at King Recruit and uh, have an awesome day. To those tuning in, thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're watching or listening to this uh, episode. And I'll see you next time. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening. Just before you go, let me ask you one question. Who in your network would make a great guest on the Resilient Recruiter podcast? I'm always on the lookout for interesting people to interview, recruitment entrepreneurs who embody the ethos of the Resilient Recruiter. If you're a regular listener, you'll know the kind of person I'm looking for. Ordinary men and women who've achieved extraordinary things. Specifically, I'm looking for someone with a great story to tell, someone who's overcome adversity in pursuit of their goals, and who's open to sharing their own mistakes and learning experiences with our listeners. In the words of previous guests, John Coxon and Alex Elliott, I'm looking for someone with humble confidence. They could be a top producing solo or independent recruiter or the owner of a fast growing firm. Maybe that person is you, or maybe it's someone you know. Send me your recommendations, mark at recruitmentcoach.com or feel free to nominate yourself And if you think you meet the criteria I've just outlined, I'd love to hear from you. Once again, it's mark at recruitmentcoach.com. Remember to hit subscribe and I'll see you next time.